shining a light on autism and life on the spectrum. Welcome to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly, a podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism. And now, here's your neurologically different host, Orion Kelly. Welcome and thanks for listening to my friend Autism. I'm Orion Kelly and I have autism, but what's critical to understand is I'm just one person on the autism spectrum. So if you've met one person on the spectrum, well, you've met one person on the spectrum. No two autistic people are the same. They have individual challenges and gifts. My purpose is to empower you with knowledge, education and growth opportunities through open, honest and engaging conversations on autism. This podcast seeks to break down stigmas and misconceptions around autism while providing real insights into life on the spectrum. My aim is to have open conversations that inform and engage and ultimately make the world a better place for those living with autism. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Online at orionkelly.com.au My guest on this episode is Jennifer Schwartz, a PhD candidate at Charles Sturt University. Jennifer is conducting a research study on identity in relation to autism. Jennifer, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Now, it's it's great to read about a study you're a part of, but for those, you know, that don't know much about it, I want to get the whole kind of full description of what it's all about. Before we do that, though, if you don't mind, do you want to just quickly tell us a bit about you, a bit about your studies, a bit about what you do? So I'm a researcher at Charles Sturt University. I'm um, doing my PhD at the moment. And my uh, the study that I'm doing is part of my PhD. And what I'm looking at is when people think about themselves in the context of autism. So when people ask themselves some version of the question, am I autistic or am I on the spectrum? And I'm really interested in how people go about answering that question. So basically you're conducting a research study on identity in relation to autism and it's from from your point of view, what you're looking into is in, in a way, it's almost a, a non-scientific response. It's like you ask someone, you know, person A, uh, how they would identify themselves and person B, and that they may have very different responses. And that's, I guess, what you're, what you're trying to gauge. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds very vague, but that's because I'm really trying to capture an experience without trying to put a box on it because it is quite... Um, a vague experience. And it is a qualitative study. So it's not like we're doing an experiment or trying to fit people in a box. It's more about trying to find out what people's experience is. And this is following on from a smaller study that I've done looking at the same sort of thing. And what I found in that was that the way people identify can be very 
very diverse and can change over time. And it can be hard to say, I want to talk to people who identify in this particular way because some people find it really hard to, to put into words and to put themselves in a box. So uh, we took the approach of saying, this is the topic we want to talk about, identity in relation to autism, however people identify. Yeah, and I want to get to uh, more kind of nuts and bolts in the study, but you've brought up a couple of points I'd like mm. to discuss with you, which I think are really interesting. Um, I, I'm sure you've heard the you know the phrase, once you've met one person on the spectrum, you've met one person on the spectrum. And the, yep. the idea that, you know, as you say, you, you can't really put um, everyone with autism in a box. It just it, it doesn't work. The neurodiversity that you know that creates um, an autistic person is, is something that it's really so individualized. And my own personal diagnosis, my own personal experience, I found even dealing with healthcare professionals um, it can it can be really confusing because I can talk to one person who could be a, a leading voice in the autism world who will say, "No, no, no, when, when let's not." use phrases like high functioning, low functioning anymore because that that's problematic. And I can see why that's problematic. We shouldn't be calling anyone something that's going to make them feel less of a person. That that That's wrong. And then you've got old syndromes, Asperger's, D, DSM saying, okay, let's forget about that and just put that into, you know, onto the spectrum. And you've got all these all these kind of contradictions and all these kind of traditional and new age and moving forward and progressive. And from my own personal mm. experience, I was diagnosed, well, the letter, the written letter said, in effect, high functioning autism, um, you know, slash Asperger's. Um, so yep. in a way they diagnose it with, if you want to look at it traditionally, if you want to be a stickler, which is, that's kind of, that's my thing, Jen, I'm a stickler. <laughs> um, so then, you know, technically you could say technically, so I've got Asperger's syndrome. I don't have autism technically, but DSM say, no, no, you, you're on the spectrum. You have autism. Mm. And because you have autism, not Asperger's, let's call it high functioning because where I think it's low care, um, you know, lo low care needs, high care needs, potentially um, not as problematic. Yep. But, I think it's really interesting because, as you say, you know, to put it in a box from from a study point of view, but when the kind of questions and conversation you have is hard enough, let alone someone who's actually going through the assessment or the diagnosis like me or who's on the spectrum, it's even more problematic because whoever I talk to whatever day calls me something different. And in the yep. end, I'm not anything. I'm just me. I just am. And th there's also the disorder, disability. There's also the idea that, you know, disorder, maybe that's more problematic. Disability, well, just let's just call it what it is. It's a neuro neurological disability. That's what it, I'm not neurotypical, so they say. So, yep. you know, yep. I'm telling you from a point of view of, you know what, Jen, I'm still really confused from the, from mm. the assessment, the diagnosis, and the coming to, yep. grip, coming to grips with who I am. I find it day, on a day-to-day -day basis quite confusing at, to, to find my identity on the spectrum as well. It, it's just, mm. it is. It's just very confusing. It is. And and you make a great point that there's so many different um, words and terms and different language that can be used to talk about this. And um, we've made a really conscious decision to embrace all of that because we're not trying to um, tell people what language they should be using about themselves. We're interested in how people are using language and how they're using that to describe themselves and, and why people use particular terms and what that means for them. 
And as you say, if you've met one person on the spectrum, you've met one person on the spectrum. We're actually looking at an even bigger picture in terms of people who identify as autistic, but also people who are questioning, I'm not sure, maybe I am, maybe I'm not, who anywhere where people are kind of thinking about whether they're definite, yes, I definitely identify this particular way, or people who aren't sure, or people who've thought about it and decided, well, I thought I might be, but I decided that I'm neurotypical. Yeah. So it's a very broad range, but as you say, language is a big part of that in terms of what people prefer and how they think of themselves. And I think you're right, like with your regards to the what your study involves, and you've touched on it with regards to you know the kind of way you uh, the way you use your, your your questioning, the way you frame it, but also the the people that can be involved in it. It's really fascinating, Jen, and I think you know you're well aware of there's there's been a um, a past culture of people frowning on um, sometimes like almost a borderline self diagnosis because it's like an mm. ex- it's because it's like an excuse. But I I am of the opinion from what I could, what I've read that some you know quite leading minds in you know quite leading professors leading minds in the field have started to have started to kind of smile on the idea that look if that helps you re- um, work out who you are as a person and helps you in your life and that's something you, you know you think is you then who are we to take it away from you in the end it's kind of it's just you know if that's the way you want to go about it uh, of course there's also there's it's always a, there's always a rigorous assessment process if that's the way you want to go about it but it is really interesting for those that you're looking for in a study in many ways you know it was me uh, I, mm. I I spent a lifetime wondering why I felt you know alone or uh, not not belonging or I felt different or I didn't feel right in situations or you know I was always I didn't have many friends or I couldn't keep friends or I wasn't great in workplaces you know in certain moments you know when I was pushed out of what I was good at if you know what I mean or into weird yep. social settings so you know I was that person and, and for me um, I thought you know when I you start to look into it and and for, for a lot of people I guess you know red flags you know alarm bells ring and then you think wow this could be me and then you 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 kind of think this is amazing that I can finally have reasons or an explanation for who I am and why I was different rather than just going through life just feeling from my point of view feeling just bloody horrible like you know I can't I can't just be a bad person you know if you know what I mean um, yep. in in social situations I mean and I think the people that you're looking for I think in in 2019 would be a growing class of people because you know, I wasn't diagnosed as a child. Am I? Am I mm. part of a? Am I part of a uh, a missed generation? Probably. And if I was, well, bloody hell, Jen, you've got a lot of people that could be banging on your that could be banging on your door. I mean, absolutely. Is that, is that fair enough to say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's lots of adults who are who are starting to ask questions about themselves um, who may be just starting to ask questions or may have been wondering like yourself for a long time and as our understanding of autism has grown our picture of what an autistic person can look like has changed and like you say that there is uh, a lost generation of adults who haven't been recognised um, up until now as being autistic. Um, 
so there's a lot of people who are now being recognised, but also there's a lot of people who don't necessarily recognise them or label themselves as autistic, but still that concept does shape the way they see themselves. So I've spoken to people who say, well, I don't think I'm autistic and I'm not going to get a diagnosis or an assessment, but seeing myself as having autistic traits has shaped the way I see myself and I don't see myself as being something wrong with me or why am I so awkward anymore. And mm. I think I think traits are really are really critical in, in modern day medicine from my kind of my small my small experience in in getting to know more about, you know, what I've been diagnosed with and they talk about genetics. Mm. Genetics is a key. There's the genetic link, that's fine, but that doesn't mean you'll ever get it or have it. But then there's that second hit, which, you know, could be, um, you know, some sort of trauma or infection um, in that kind of, I guess, do they call it the pregnancy and postnatal period? I think, as you say, for, for people that maybe have links or family members but don't actually have it, they still can um, feel like they can identify to quite a lot of traits that might not just be enough to you know get them uh, on you know get them on the on the spectrum but they still struggle with genuine challenges and and differences that you know impact their lives in a in a serious way yeah and yeah there's whole debates about um what autism is or whether there's autisms or um although there's huge debates there um and we've we've made a decision that we're not kind of engaging uh with whether people are autistic or those kind of questions but we're really interested in identity and how people think of themselves and how the way they engage with the concept of autism and the spectrum changes the way people see themselves and whether that um, is a good thing for some people, whether it's a negative thing for some people and, and why that might be. And I think identity is a, is a, is a massive thing with with an autism diagnosis, you know, with parents that have children, they might think, well, how, how will this impact their life? And with adults who are potentially seeking a diagnosis or have a diagnosis, you know, they might identify, they might, they might think identifying this to say family and friends is one thing, but to workplaces is another thing. So that, you know, mm. to, to, to being, yep. for wearing your identity, for being proud yeah. of it. So for me, yep. you know, I kind of feel in a way, you know, if I'm kind of like dissecting it, I, I've sort of diagnosed as I've gone through the assessment, I've, you know, been diagnosed. It's been, to me, a relief, a weight lifted off my shoulders. I feel like I understand myself better and it's really allowed myself, um, you know, to, to feel like a better person. You know, I don't, I don't mask as much that kind of stuff and I, yep. it's really helped me. But to be honest with you, Jen, I'm sure I look unemployable to some people now. Like, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I can't lie to myself, right? There are, I mean, the fact of the matter is I've told the world at large, it's not like people can't find out. Mm. I fear I might be slightly less employable potentially in the fields I want to work in than I was prior or, uh, you know, yeah. people or, or unless I constantly ram down their throat, oh, no, 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 it's high functioning, it's high functioning, people will talk to me like, you know, I'm, I'm not smart, right? And, and, mm. and that's, got, that's in no way disrespectful to anyone with, with autism. That's about an, an identity thing. You're really weighing on your mind is the, the misconceptions and the myths of modern day people in 2019 it's still really quite horrible you know that um mm. what people you know attach to the identity 
of autism. So for me, I thought, no, stuff it. The only way to break down, you know, misconceptions and myths and make a better world for people, you know, coming through in the next generation is to be open and honest and just talk about it, which is obviously the point of this podcast. So for me, I wear the identity with pride, but to be honest with you, it does scare me, you know, how it can be viewed. Yeah, absolutely. There's certainly um, a range of different ways that autistic people are viewed and um, particular stereotypes um, out there in the community. Um, and and you touched on, you know, how you give that information out to other people, whether you tell other people. And that's a really personal thing. And um, I've been talking to a range of different people people who make all sorts of choices in that area. I talk to people like yourself that are out and proud and out there letting people know that they're autistic and proud of that and and trying to break down stereotypes. Some people choose, um, like you mentioned, to tell people socially with like friends and family, but not within a workplace. I've also talked to people who have never spoken to a single person other than me. I've been the first person they've ever spoken out loud their thoughts on this. So there's certainly a range of different choices that people make about who they talk to about this. And I, I guess, you know, what what you're eventually going to going to find is it's, you know, there's there's an autism spectrum, but my goodness, there's all there's probably also an identity spectrum. I mean, it's mm. uh, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be presumably fascinating because there's so many different ways of really looking at the same the same thing and the way people look at it differently. And I guess all I can really do is do my best to to look at it from a point of view to show people that it's neurodiversity and it's it's something to embrace and it's, you know, as individual as everyone who's neurotypical. It is just Yeah. In other words, apart from, you know, sharing with people that you are, the identity, you know, how you identify as it is probably, I say even simpler, make it as simple as possible. You know, from my point of view, I would identify what as simple as possible rather than having to say things like, you know, Asperger's or high functioning. Look, I have have autism, but I'm me, if that that makes sense. Um, So you're still in the process of looking for people, if people are listening now, are they, yes. are they okay? So, who, who would you just to kind of recap for those listening? Who would you be interested in talking to, and and uh, you yep. know, how can they be a part of it? So, we've only got three criteria um, that people have to meet. The first is we're looking at adults, so people who are over eighteen. We're looking at people Australians, so people who normally live in Australia. They're pretty straightforward. And the last criteria is simply that people have thought about themselves in relation to autism. So the only people who wouldn't meet that criteria would be if you ask someone, are you autistic or on the spectrum? And they said, I've never really thought about that. So anyone who has thought about the question, am I on the spectrum or am I autistic or do I have autism, and thought about that question in any way, whether they've thought about it a little bit, whether they've thought about it a lot, whether they've um, gone and asked professional help or whether they've never talked to anyone about it, whether they identify as autistic or whether they 
don't or haven't decided any anything within that sphere, we're interested in talking to them. Fantastic. And they the best can, way to get in touch with you? The best way they can get in touch if they're interested in participating is going through the Facebook page, so the Autism and Identity Study Facebook page, um, or they can email me, which is Schwartz. J-S-C-H-W-A-R-Z at csu.edu.au. Do you think that, you know, that the wider community kind of dictates how people identify themselves on the, on the spectrum? Do you, think there's, do you think that has any kind of impact because of just what we think people will think? Or do you think that's not really something that's thought of? It definitely, from, from the people that I've been speaking to, what people think others will think definitely impacts how people feel about themselves and um, the concern about being judged by others is definitely there. And that definitely shapes whether people share their identity with other people and it can also lead to um, feelings of embarrassment or um, guilt or shame if there's concern that they will be judged by other people. But then there's other people who say, this is who I am, I don't care what other people think. That would be me, Jen. Uh, (laughs) It's a strange question to finish with, but why the interest in autism? Um, I was involved um, in early intervention uh, looking with children, autistic children, and I saw over and over again, I saw parents who said, well, they say that my child is autistic because they do this, this, and this. Well, I do those things. What does that mean about me? And I was really fascinated by that question. What does that mean about me? And when I looked into the research that had been done in this area, there wasn't any. So I was really fascinated to look into the area of adults and asking who are asking those kind of questions about themselves it sounds fascinating it, re- it really does i mean you know mm. i mean i mean being on the spectrum I, it's even more fascinating for me but you're, you're absolutely right there there i've spoken with people and that have talked about that kind of those me too moments parents are in the mm. room in the room with a child psychologist going through an assessment and the parents look at each other like hang on a second that sounds like you and that sounds like grandpa and that sounds like his grandpa yeah. It's truly fascinating. And as we talked about before, you know, these kids are probably helping their parents because they were part of a generation where we just hadn't caught up, had we? Mm, So um, it's really interesting. Look, thank you so much for your time. It sounds like a a fascinating study. It'll be great to hear all the results and we really do appreciate your time. Excellent. Thanks, Orion. My guest was Jennifer Schwartz, a PhD candidate at Charles Sturt University. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Join the conversation now at the Orion Kelly Facebook page. When we talk about autism and identity, it is a really fascinating conversation. And as we've spoken about in this episode, there are so many labels that can be put on your autistic diagnosis. You can have different levels, level one, level two, level three. There can be low functioning, there can be high functioning. There is so many different things and labels and feelings and apprehensive conclusions that come from one diagnosis or another. And with that in mind, when it comes to identity and autism, 
for the record, and I guess for what it's worth from my point of view, I think we simplify it. If you're on the spectrum, okay, then you have autism. I identify as having autism or being autistic. My two cents is if we're going to make the world a better place for those on the spectrum, regardless of where they fit on the spectrum, regardless if they have the insider ability to talk for themselves or communicate the way maybe someone like I can, I think we should all just say, hey, we're on the spectrum. And that's it. (laughs) We are who we are. The person I am today is as a result of having autism. And everyone who knows me knows that's just me. I just hope you can start to think, you know what? This is just me and this is who I am and the world can just deal with it because until we speak about it more openly, we're going to be fighting against stigmas and misconceptions. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Thank you so much for listening to My Friend Autism. I really do appreciate it. And if the episode has resonated with you, please share it with your friends and family so we can reach more people. If you'd like to continue the conversation, suggest a topic or area of autism to explore, or just say hi, you can email me, orionkelly at gmail.com. You can like the Orion Kelly Facebook page, or you can send me a message via my website, orionkelly.com.au. That's O-R-I-O-N-K-E-L-L-Y.com.au. This podcast is here to break down stigmas and misconceptions around autism, while providing real insights into life on the spectrum. Together, we can make the world a better place for those living with autism. And remember, once you've met one person on the spectrum, you've met one person on the spectrum. All I'm asking is for you to open your hearts and minds to people a little bit different to you and embrace the benefits of neurodiversity. Until next time, thanks for opening your mind and embracing differences. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and never miss an episode. Like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook or visit orionkelly.com.au. 